Chapter 5, Just-In-Time Travel Most people believe that to get good flights and hotels at a reasonable price, you have to plan way in advance. I always used to think that too, but in the last year, I've learned it's not always the case. If you're planning a great vacation for your family, you probably need some predictability in how you plan and organize your trip. But if you are spontaneously traveling all over the world, you have to frequently change and rearrange your travel plans. For people with this type of lifestyle, just-in-time travel is the way to go. With just-in-time travel, you arrange your travel as you go instead of planning it far in advance. Now, I rarely book hotel arrangements more than two weeks in advance, and I frequently even book them on the same day. You get the best deals at the last minute because a day, a week, or sometimes two weeks in advance, hotels look at their reservations and calculate when they will have extra rooms to fill. They contact sites like Expedia and offer them discounts to entice flexible customers like me to book with them. I am shocked when I reflect back on all the consternation I put myself through, thinking I needed to book in advance to get a room. By making reservations so early, all I did was make my schedule less adaptable to my ever-changing needs. The same principles apply to flight reservations. In the past, I always thought I needed to book way ahead of time, or I just wouldn't get a seat. Not anymore. People's ability to access information and schedule flights online is much more fluid, so fewer travelers reserve their flights way in advance and planes are not booked full as early as they were in the past. My general rule of thumb for making flight reservations is to book them a week before I'm ready to go. For international flights, I will book two or three weeks in advance, but even that's not always necessary. I'm seeing amazing discounts on fares the same week as the flight. In fact, I recently flew to Germany one week before the flight. I visited Expedia and found a flight on Condor Airlines for $800 round trip. These kinds of deals exist just in time and at the last minute. You just have to be a little patient and understand the system. Use Expedia and other apps to get the best deals. Technology has made planning travel so much better, and Expedia has become my go-to resource for almost all my travel bookings. I'm often booking flights and hotels in under 60 seconds. I find the hotel, find the flight, and then it's click, click, done. The bookings are automatically added to my list of trips. I can review them anytime I want. I used to monitor all my reservations with an app called TripIt, but frankly, Expedia's travel log of trips is so effective and efficient that I don't use TripIt much anymore. When I'm booking international flights and I'm not familiar with the local carriers at my destination, I use an app called Skyscanner. A good friend of mine in Spain showed it to me. It scans all the airlines, including several of the ones that might not show up in search engines like Expedia or Kayak because they don't work with travel websites. Skyscanner allows you to know every possible flight available no matter how small or obscure the airline is. Once you determine that a particular carrier has the flight you need, you can go directly to that carrier's website and book it if it's not available through Expedia. The app from Alaska Airlines is also crazy good. Alaska Airlines flights do show up on Expedia, but sometimes I find it very convenient just to book directly with Alaska. 
The nice thing about these apps is they store my credit card information. So all I have to do is enter my social security code and I'm done with the reservation. Because I can make my own travel plans so quickly from my iPhone, I never have to explain them to my assistant, which saves me a lot of time and headaches and miscommunication. In lean terms, giving the assistant the explanation would be considered over-processing. You can go to my website, paulacres.net, and find out a plethora of information about how to travel smart, and all the links to all my favorite apps are there as well. Another benefit of just-in-time travel is that my plans change. I pay fewer cancellation fees than I used to. Expedia has an exceptional feature that if you book a flight, you have 24 hours to cancel it. Often, I think I found the perfect flight and I book it, but over the course of the next 24 hours, I decide it's not going to work out. With three clicks, the reservation is canceled and I'm done without any hassle. Sometimes I'll go to six or seven countries on a single trip and I used to worry about the ability of a website to handle multiple destinations. However, I learned a little secret. You don't want to do multiple destinations in the same booking because if anything changes, you screw up the entire reservation. When I recently went to Expedia to make a couple changes on a multi-city reservation, they told me it would cost $150 for each change. It was a nightmare. That's when it clicked. Why was I creating this big batch of flights? Why not do one-piece flow instead? And lean manufacturing one-piece flow has been shown to be more efficient than batch work. When making flight plans now, I apply one-piece flow by only booking one leg at a time. That way, if my schedule changes at the last minute, I only have to rebook the one leg and pay for one penalty fee. Side note, the superior efficiency of one-piece flow is counterintuitive and most people don't believe it until they see it in action. The best way to contrast the two methods is to show people a three-minute demonstration of manufacturing paper airplanes. You start with two groups. One group makes airplanes by performing each fold separately on 10 sheets of paper before moving on to the next step in the process. That's batch processing. The other group makes complete airplanes from one piece of paper before moving on to the next step, one piece flow. At the end of three minutes, the different results are staggering. The group using batch processing has maybe one or two planes done, a bunch of work in process, and a bunch of material inventory that they have not touched. The team using one piece flow usually has eight or ten planes completed, tested, and ready to fly. Batch work is less efficient because you have to manage all the parts repeatedly, stacking them, moving them, and revisiting them. You want to avoid the same thing when booking a reservation or planning your travel. Making them one at a time is the simplest way to do this. Additionally, if you book each leg completely independent, it is easier to organize your travel schedule. When you look at your trips menu at the Expedia app, you can see all the different destinations. If you need to modify one, you just go to select that city you're flying to and modify only that one. You could argue that it's easier to let the travel companies figure out all the connection times for you, but frankly, it's easy to do by opening multiple tabs in your browser and clicking back and forth to check the connection times. 
There's nothing hard about figuring out connections, especially if you're not checking bags that have to be shuttled from airline to airline. When you check bags, you add complexity and the potential for defects. As we already discussed, if you travel with multiple carriers, you set yourself up for problems. Sometimes when you make a connection, an airline will check your bags through to another. But most of the time, if you switch carriers, you have to go outside of security, retrieve your bag from the luggage claim, and go back through the screening process. It's better to just carry it onto the plane yourself and avoid that ritual. The point of this book is to teach you about lean travel, which looks to eliminate waste in all the processes through continuous improvement. We must always be looking for ways to improve. The key is to be a little curious. If you ask questions, you'll be shocked at how much you'll learn. Whenever I'm traveling, I'm always talking to the people that I meet and asking them to share their tricks to travel more efficiently. Loey, a friend of mine who lives in China, told me about an app the Chinese use called C-Trip. It is similar to Expedia, and I use it all the time when traveling in Asia because I can get better deals and more options than Expedia offers in those countries. One of my favorite examples of just-in-time travel is getting upgraded to business class. You can buy an upgrade at the list price when you book your flight, or you can wait until you get to the gate or even board the plane and ask if upgrades are available. When you wait, you'll pay a fraction of the cost. If I am taking an international flight that is eight hours or longer, I really try to get an upgrade to business class. I get a lot more done when I have more room to comfortably spread out, which leads to being more rested for work or play once I arrive. To improve my chances of getting the upgrade, I try to show up at the airport three or four hours before the flight. International flights typically open four hours before the takeoff time. And if you're the first in line, you have the best opportunity to check the price of a business class upgrade. The airlines will give you the best deal if you book the flight directly with them. But even if you don't, upgrades are often still available, so always ask. If you don't like the quoted price, try again. As I type these words, I'm at 36,000 feet en route from Santiago, Chile to Easter Island. I sit here fully stretched out in the emergency exit row on a beautiful 787 Dreamliner with more room than they have in first class. How did I pull this off? Persistence and experience. This is how it happened. My wife and I got to the checkout counter early and asked if the emergency exit row was available. The ticket agent said no. They were all full. So we asked for business class upgrades instead. She said they were $2,500 each, and we would have to go upstairs to the ticket purchase counter if we wanted to buy them. We ran upstairs, and the agent there confirmed they were $2,500 each. Unwilling to pay so much, we asked again for exit row seatings and were told to go to a different counter where someone might be able to help us. The first woman at the check-in counter had told us we were not eligible for emergency exit row because we did not speak Spanish. Being an experienced traveler, I knew it was rare that they used this criteria. I asked again at a third counter, as nicely as I could, throwing in as many Spanish words as I knew. The agent was very accommodating, and before long, we were tearing up our old tickets, which were terrible, and they handed us two emergency exit row seats that were fantastic. Score! 
As we walked away, I thought we should try to get exit row seating secured for the return trip three days later. So we circled back to the same counter and asked if we could book the same seats for the return flight. Shockingly, the answer was different yet again. This time, the agent said we could not book them. And even if we could, it would cost extra money. This was the same man who gave us the two upgrade tickets in under four minutes and never mentioned a word about charging us anything. He went on to say you could only do it 48 hours before the flight and you had to do it online. I asked him to please try one more time. He went into the computer and 60 seconds later, he booked the same seats for the return flight with no extra charge. The moral of the story is always be persistent. To give yourself the best chance to improve your seats on a flight, follow these steps. Ask for the emergency exit row because those seats disappear quickly. If one is available, you want the agent to immediately secure it for you in the system. Do not distract the agent with any other activity other than reserving your exit row seat. I have seen those seats disappear right in front of me because the agent was busy with something else. Two. If you cannot get an exit row seat, ask for the availability of a business class upgrade. If the price is reasonable, my threshold is $800, make a decision before moving to step three. If you strike out at the initial check-in counter, proceed to the gate and ask the same question again. You would be surprised how many times you will get a totally different answer. Four. If the answer you receive at the gate is not favorable, make sure you're the last one on the plane and ask the flight attendant as you board. Many times I've been quoted $2,000 at the check-in counter and then paid $500 for business class upgrades on the plane. Five, if you strike out a third time, never fear. As you board the plane, peruse the available seats on the plane and see if you can find a seat with an open seat next to it, or better yet, an exit row seat that has not been taken. You will not believe the number of times I've scored on major seats that are way more comfortable than was originally assigned to me just by being the last one on the plane. Only once in the last three years did one of these strategies not work for me. Persistence pays when it comes to booking hotels too. One of my favorite places in the world is Phuket, Thailand. I can go on and on about Phuket, the beautiful beaches, the warm water, the great food, the reasonable prices, the friendly people. Every time I go there, I try to find a place that is more affordable with a location that is more desirable. The last time I went, I was practicing just-in-time travel. So I only booked a hotel for one night of the 10-day visit. When I looked online, it seemed like a nice place, but not the kind of place I wanted to spend a week and a half. My first night stay confirmed that. The next morning, I woke up, rented a scooter for about five bucks, and drove around to 10 different hotels that, according to Expedia and TripAdvisor, had offered great values because I was doing just-in-time travel. After looking at nine of them, I was a little discouraged. Phuket was very busy this time of year, so there wasn't much available. Was my just-in-time system going to fail me? No. Just because most people were booked up didn't mean everyone was booked. Besides, the hotel where I was staying had rooms available if there were no other option. 
Finally, I pulled up in front of the 10th hotel and took a look. It was spectacular, with huge suite rooms, beautiful furnishings, elegant bathrooms, and five pools, and heavily discounted at only 60 bucks a night compared to the normal rate of $150 to $180 per night. To top it off, nobody was there. Just-in-time travel plus a little persistence paid off for me big time. Nestled neatly within the concept of just-in-time travel is the concept of the orientation day. When I'm traveling to a new location and I know I'm going to be there for three to five days, I often don't book anything until I take some time to become oriented with my surroundings. I call this the orientation day. Similar to how I checked out several hotels in Phuket, I used the first day of the trip to discover the ins and outs of a new destination. For example, we flew to Easter Island. I talked to the flight attendant, Catalina, and she told me all kinds of great things to do and see. She had been to Easter Island five times and had collected lots of local knowledge. Catalina's insights weren't my first exposure to Easter Island. A week earlier, I had begun watching YouTube videos online to understand what the island was all about. She even invited our group to a barbecue that the flight team was having at one of the best beaches on the island. Talk about having the inside track. Shortly after landing, we rented quads so we could track all over the island and get the lay of the land. Traversing the island, talking to the locals about the best things to do. I ended up with lots of great ideas. Another trick for getting orientated is to not be too quick to commit to a certain hotel or restaurant. Take a look around before you set in stone what you're going to do. In the past, when choosing a restaurant, we would stop in at a restaurant that looked good. With mixed results, now we do something called restaurant hopping. We choose a restaurant, order one or two hors d'oeuvres or a main course and a glass of wine, then move to the next restaurant. During the whole evening, you can visit two or three restaurants easily and really get orientated as to what the local food is all about. I learned this concept from my friends Cindy and Gordon when we were in Dubai. We went to four restaurants in one night. We had a ball tasting all the different foods. At each stop, we ordered a few small dishes to sample instead of a full meal. At one point, we even had a restaurant bringing food to us at another restaurant. We were laughing so hard and having such a great time. Everyone thought we were a little crazy, but we enjoyed how much fun we were having. We basically experienced four days of eating in one night. So we knew what was good when we went out to eat the next day. On Easter Island, my wife and I did the same thing. We ordered ceviche at multiple restaurants to find out who had the best food in town. Surprisingly, the restaurateurs loved the concept and supported it completely. We were very upfront and honest with them about what we were doing. It actually made them want to perform at a higher level because they knew we were comparing them to everyone else on the same night. Go for it. When we returned from Easter Island to Santiago, our plane was once again a beautiful 787 Dreamliner. I was the last one to get on the plane, and as I passed by the cockpit, I asked if I could go into the front office. 
that's called the cockpit, and take a look. Before long, the pilots waved me forward, and I was shooting a video and taking pictures in the front of a 787 Dreamliner. I repeated the same experience when I was on the Emirates flight Airbus 380 en route from New York to Dubai. People always shake their heads at me and say, Paul, how do you do that? How do you have these amazing experiences? It's simple. If you're willing to do these five things, continuously improve, be intensely curious, experiment without fear, ask if something is possible, and do not be afraid to look a little foolish. When it is your turn to travel, don't stress if you do not have all your arrangements made weeks in advance. Relax and think about how you can incorporate these five strategies into your preparation. There are always deals out there, so you don't really need to worry about booking everything way in advance anymore. In addition, you often get a much better price at the last minute than if you book something two or three months in advance. The tools are there for you to rent a car, reserve a flight, choose a hotel, and find the best restaurants or anything else you want to do in just a few minutes' time. Take advantage of them. Remember, Travel is a process that can be enhanced and improved like anything else. I'm constantly tweaking and perfecting the travel process to make my travel more effective and enjoyable. I do it in a very deliberate fashion. If you can learn to be fully aware of the process and identify the waste of clunky mechanics of every travel process, you will end up improving your life experience exponentially. And who doesn't want that? Now, I'm going to go off script here just before I read the one thing. As I read this chapter, I'm getting ready to go on an epic journey around the world with Bob Taylor. But believe it or not, as soon as I get back from that four-week trip around the world, I'll only be back for a few days, and I'll leave again on another around-the-world trip, this time going the opposite direction around the globe. And this trip, I'll be flying to Japan, Kazakhstan, Germany, and then back to Bellingham, Washington. So I had to begin to pack my bag so when I came home, I wasn't all stressed out and I could just walk in and grab my next bag for Japan. And even today, I'm improving again the process of travel. Let me tell you the improvement that I've recently made to the way I pack, and it really enhances everything greatly. I have a small carry-on suitcase. I've now learned to put all my clothes that are from the waist up in one side and the waist down in the other side. So it's very easy for me to look in my suitcase and not have to dig through shirts and pants that are sometimes packed together. That never happens anymore. All my shirts are always on the left side. All my pants, underwear, and socks are always on the right side. This simple improvement enhanced the way I travel immensely. I open my suitcase. I go to the left for shirts. I go to the right for pants. It's very simple. If it's a bathing suit, it's going to be on the right. If it's a shirt, it's going to be on the left. If it's a pair of shorts, it's going to be on the right. The simple system, the simple improvement to the process of the way I pack is frankly delightful. It makes me happy because I struggle that much less when I travel. And that's really what lean travel is all about. The one thing, just-in-time travel is king. And flexibility is queen. So locking things down way in advance is not necessarily to your advantage. 
And one more thing. As I was recording the book, Greg, the engineer, looked at me and said, well, what do you do with all those coupon cards and all the registration cards at all the hotels and flight attendants and flight airlines and everybody wants you to have? The answer is, that's a bunch of crap. I don't mess with any of that stuff. You can get a way better deal online just in time than the small discounts that these airlines or hotels want to give you. That's all just a bunch of nonsense. I rarely ever put my points in. I never use points. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. That's clutter, overproduction, overprocessing, excess inventory, and all the rest of the waste all rolled into one. 